Coming up on the Smitty and Mitty Show this week, we're joined by Josh Goldberg to discuss everything regarding the Toronto Blue Jays, plus the biggest news in sports, live PGA joining forces and our takes. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Start your engines! 90% of the time, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The show that's got everyone saying... You're so dumb, for real. With Smitty. What you just said is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Smitty. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? you. That's my name. This is the Smitty Mini Show. Smitty and Mitty Show back on your radio wave. Tyler Middleton, Noah Smith taking you through the next hour of mediocre sports talk. Let's take our sponsors. Dave Middleton, Sun Life Financial Aid, writer under the sun. Gold line curling the choice of champions. Josh Goldberg, baseball writer, is going to join us in just a little bit to talk about those pesky Toronto Blue Jays turning it around a wee bit. Alec Manoa obviously being sent all the way down to Florida. And one of the biggest mergers in sports history? NFL-AFL merger? Live PGA merger? We'll talk about that in a little bit. Mr. Noah Smith, how are you today, sir? I'm doing good, sir. It is quite possibly the biggest news in sports that live in PGA merger so uh missile man we're gonna have to talk about that on the back half of the show as you touched on gonna have to talk about those toronto blue jays but first i wanted to ask you a quick question i love asking this question every single year have you watched any of the stanley cup finals and i know you're a busy guy dad at home right now have you watched any stanley cup finals hockey have you cared to watch any of it I, I'm pro- I'm legitimately probably the worst person to ask this right now because I don't have a whole lot of time, obviously, with my wife being where she is. And I just, when I get home, I got lunches to do when I go to bed. But surprisingly, I have been able, like I've sat down and while I'm making lunches, while I'm cleaning, I put um the hockey on a little bit. I probably watch more playoff hockey outside of the Toronto Maple Leafs this year than I have in a long time. Uh, this, I'm intrigued by the Florida Panthers. I just simply am and they just haven't you know given me anything so far. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I have, and I've actually watched some of the NBA finals as well. I, I've been very proud of myself studying up for the Smitty and Mitty show. Well, honestly, you've done more than I have because I, you've not, you've watched none. Uh, to be honest with you, I watched a little bit of game one. Um, and then I don't even know if I watched a whole lot of game two or three, but listen, like it, it, Two teams that I don't really care a whole lot about. I'm going to watch the highlights in the morning or that night. Um, Nowadays, you can stay up to date on just about everything that's happening in the hockey game by just being on Twitter and stuff. So you don't even really have to watch the game. All the good stuff is going to find its way to you anyways. Uh, It's the great thing about living in the year 2023. And for the NBA Finals, no, I haven't watched any of it. Just the highlights, box scores, everything you need to know. Sounds like a pretty good series. Yeah, but it also, I think, and we'll hopefully talk a little bit NBA next week uh, with guests lined up to talk about the NBA Finals and the whole NBA year. Uh, It's just not a very exciting NBA Finals, to be honest. The Denver Nuggets are kind of like a a throwaway team. They're really good, really, really good. Not that fun to watch and kind of just, they're in a different time, but they're gone, I don't know. And the Miami Heat, I mean, obviously, a a play-in team who had to win three games or two games just to get into the playoffs and then have made their way on an incredible run to the Finals. They would be fun to watch win, but even then, not a whole lot of star power that would draw eyeballs. I mean, it's just kind of a dud NBA Finals. But I, we haven't talked about it yet, and I do want to just quickly do the sappy thing and send out a whole bunch of love to all of our fellow Canadians who have been either pushed out of their homes or have their lights absolutely devastated and changed by the wildfires that have pushed across this country. I, I looked up a map before coming on to see where the hotspots were in the country and it is amazing how much of this country right now is up in flames so i i, I just want to set out my my i mean the thoughts and prayers thing but my love and hope for safety for everyone out there to, to get through this on the other side and, and we're seeing it legitimately affect sports with the yankees and phillies having to cancel at least one game probably games earlier this week due to just horrific air quality 
Well, and we're seeing something that happens, um, you know, yearly, right? Not always in the same spot, not always the same places that get it. Uh, but these forest fires happen every single year. And it's not until we get something like this where the smoke starts making its way down towards uh, where we are here in southwestern Ontario, up through eastern Ontario, down into the northeastern United States. Uh, and air quality index is up around 9 or 10, right? Like as bad as it can be. Um, to the point where, you know, like you said, pro sports getting canceled, uh, news outlets telling you to stay indoors, wear masks if you're going to go outside. Uh, it's almost like a surreal feeling. And you just you look back to where this is all coming from and you wonder what's going through the people that are out there right now. A lot of people in our listening area, um, even the people all the way towards Ottawa in our Ottawa listening area that are are dealing with this, uh, like you said, our hearts go out to them. We're thinking about you. Um, lots of great people on the scene. Uh, I'm seeing, you know, you, videos of firefighters coming in from out of Canada as well, right? Different countries uh, into like Minnesota. People lending a hand where they can. And you know what? It's good to see. So hopefully uh, this all gets eradicated pretty quickly and the air clears itself up as we move into the middle of summer here. Maybe we can get some rain as well. Wet things down a little bit. Rain would be nice all the way from the country, Minnesota. Eh? The country. Made their way all the I way said out of country and then Minnesota. Oh, okay. Okay. So not totally wrong. Yeah, I mean, videos uh, like, did you see the videos of New York earlier in the week? Oh, like yeah. we're talking, can't see across the bridge. We're talking like just a, an orange red hue. Like apocalyptic, uh, man. There's this, there's this website that or it's like an index that just grades the worst air quality in the world. And New York was number one in the hazard, the only place in the hazardous stage, well, higher than Dubai, the, the L.A., places that like are just severely smog-ridden constantly where the air quality is poor uh, 24-7, and New York is miles above that. Like it, It's actually dangerous to be outside there right now, and it, I mean, it just... It, it looks like an apocalyptic tie. It like it looks. It, it looks. Looking. It looks like a movie. It's scary looking for sure. Uh, but we've got some sports to talk on the show here. We're gonna hit a quick break first. When we come back, we'll talk some Toronto Blue Jays baseball. Josh Goldberg from the Score and the Designated for Assignment podcast is going to join us to talk everything Toronto Blue Jays here on the Smitty and Mitty Show across the TSMS Radio Network and the Smitty and Mitty Show podcast. The curling season is just about over, but it's a great time to get ready for next year with the Gold Line end of season sale. Jackets, vests, shoes, and brooms. Check out all the deals at goldlinecurling.com. Gold Line, the choice of champions. Even though I'd just gotten a new job that paid well, I still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected. My Sun Life advisor encouraged me to do three things. Get health coverage, start paying back debt, and build a safety net. When I got my cancer diagnosis, my advisor had already helped me become debt-free with enough set aside for emergencies. When I took time off, I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today, I'm in remission. Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in King Carden and Port Elgin. This is the Smitty and Mitty Show. Welcome back to another segment here of the Smitty and Mitty Show on the TSMS Radio Network and the Smitty and Mitty Show podcast. Joining us this week, Josh Goldberg from the Designated for Assignment podcast, also a baseball news editor with The Score. Josh, pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us this week. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me. Let's talk a little bit about the Toronto Blue Jays and their recent struggles and or not struggles because they've actually turned things around a little bit over the last few weeks. Um, and the Toronto Blue Jays, despite everything going on in the AL East with some fantastic baseball teams this year, still remain very much in the hunt despite what a lot of fans are thinking is a season that is almost gone exactly how they didn't want to early on, Josh. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that um, their worst stretches have basically om almost exclusively come within the division. And, you know, those are the, the games that uh, always have more meaning and then end up mattering the most when it's all said and done, you know, as we get to the beginning of October. And that's magnified when you're talking about by far the best division um, in, in baseball, where it wouldn't be that surprising if uh, certainly three, if not maybe even four 
uh, of the five teams uh, make the playoffs or are very much in the race uh, well into September. So, uh, you know, I think it's also a little bit the, the, the way that they're playing, I think, is different, somewhat surprising to a lot of people. You know, they're winning a lot of close games. Um, they're not comfortably winning very much. Like, it's a lot of uh, you know, three runs or less. Um, there haven't been many easy wins and, you know, that ratchets up the pressure certainly. And, um, you know, you're really having to use uh, a lot of your key, especially relievers pretty consistently. So, uh, you know, they, they came out the other side. It did feel like uh, early mid May that things were teetering a little bit and a credit to them. Um, they've done a nice job kind of writing the ship and, you know, they've got, another couple weeks, maybe 10 days of, of a difficult schedule uh, and then it lightens up. So they have to weather the storm here through um, your father's day weekend. And then the schedule starts to lighten up for them a little bit. Sorry, you got to unmute yourself there. Uh, so <laughs> my argument has been for a while here that I think the Toronto Blue Jays fans are just so used to those, those boppers, those teams that just mm -hmm. hit home runs and score lots of runs. And that's obviously not how this team's built. They traded away two of their big boppers in the outfield to go more defensive heavy and a little more veteran presence. This team gets a lot of hits. They get a lot of base runners. They just don't have that power they used to. And I think some of the fans are maybe um, just kind of thrown off by that and aren't used to seeing the 3-2 victory. They're used to seeing a 6-4 victory. Is there any validity to, to that argument? hundred percent. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any doubt um, about it. Like I was looking at some stats and I like coming into this week, I believe they were second in the league in hits and tied for third in batting average, but we're outside the uh, league in, in uh, outside the top 10 in the league in home runs and, you know, like it towards in the seven to 10 range in, in OPS. So like they are getting a ton of base runners. They are getting a ton of hits and they've unfortunately lost a bunch of games this year where they're, they've out hit um, their opponents. They just, especially with runners in scoring position, they just, for whatever reason, it's not like they're a bad hitting team, but right now and, and really all season uh, outside of a few blips here or there, they just haven't, consistently capitalized when they've had opportunities to do so with runners in scoring position. It doesn't necessarily need to be a home run. They just haven't had enough times that big timely hit or two hits where they can string together a couple and, you know, put up two or three runs. We've seen it a little bit um, lately in the first game of the Astros series, you know, it was three, one in the eighth inning and they scored a couple. That's the type of stuff you want to see uh, more of, but like we're at a point in the season now where, you know, you have enough of a sample size where you can maybe make a determination um, in terms of what you are or what you aren't. And I don't think this is any, by any means, anywhere near an average or below average offensive team, but I don't think they're going to be in the top five of home runs as they've been like seemingly for on and off for the last number of years. Um, and that's okay but it's just something that I think fans and, and everyone has to accept the, the new reality that, um, you know, they're not necessarily going to bludgeon you the way that they did in the past. It's, it might be a little bit more of a death by thousand paper cuts style of, of scoring runs. Well, in the Blue Jays this season as well, and, and this could just be um, like, I have no stats to back this up, but it, it feels like the Blue Jays are playing better defensively this season than they have in years past. Uh, we talked about that in the off season when the Blue Jays went out and made some of these trade picked up some of these new guys is that the blue Jays seemed that they were going to be a little bit more sound defensively. And I feel like we've seen that early on so far through the first couple of few months of the season is that the blue Jays can play that sound defense. They can be in those ball games that are one, two run ball games late. And you're not worried about someone on the infield or a fly ball to the outfield, all of a sudden putting you down by two or three. You feel a little bit more comfortable, uh, at least from from me watching from the couch at home. You feel a little bit more comfortable with the defense this year for Toronto. Oh yeah, no question. They're, they're they went from I would say last year they were about average. They were better than they have been. You know, like in the first certainly twenty twenty and to an extent twenty twenty one, they were not a particularly good um, defensive team by most metrics. Like they were below average, and then they got a, a bit better. Uh, last year and then like you said they obviously made a concerted effort to sharpen things up with some of those moves and you know, Kevin Kiermeyer is still one of the premier um, defensive players really at any position but certainly in center field uh, Dalton Barshow is really good in left um, Springer's I think been 
perfectly solid in right field. It's been nice to see Bo Bichette have, um, I would say, a pretty solid defensive year. Like there were, again, some some throwing error issues at points uh, earlier in the season, but he's really steadied things and has looked good. Like Maryfield's been good. You know what you're getting from Chapman. Vladdy's a, a gold glove winner. So um, now they're by by most statistics like a top five defensive team. They're an objectively really good defensive team. Um, and like they made a priority to be better fundamentally base running and defense. And statistically speaking on the bases, they're good. There have been way too many careless outs uh, given on the bases this year. That's something that needs to be cleaned up. I think it can be because – um, you know, they're good in a lot of different ways on the bases, taking an extra base, going first to home on a ball in the gap, th- that sort of thing. Um, so I, I think that they can be a really good base running team. But, yeah, it's just another um, sign that really reiterate, reiterates how much different this team is that, you know, you're talking about contact skills and defense and, and speed as opposed to uh, home runs covering up the deficiencies that you have running the bases and playing defense. And that whole bad stretch was obviously magnified by a guy who you expected to be your ace and your 200, you know, inning pitcher being sent all the way down to Florida because he was so bad. What did you see with Alec Manoa? What what do you think that Florida could fix for him that we could possibly see him come back in August or September and be the guy we expected him to be? You know what? I, I honestly... I don't have a tremendous amount of confidence um, right now that he's going to be making any sort of an impact uh, this season. Like we all watched it. He was so far away from being good. Like he had a few moments, a couple of good starts. There was the one in the Bronx in April where it's like, okay, maybe this was just an early season blip, but like whether it's the pitch clock and him struggling to adjust to it and um, that maybe, uh, blending in and then leading to some of the mechanical issues that he had, whatever it is, like we're talking about a complete reset. Um, like he's probably, you know, has to, I think they probably need to back him off completely for a little bit and, and just, you know, kind of take the pressure off and just allow him to, uh, you know, kind of be for a little bit and, and think on things and, and figure out maybe a plan of attack in terms of, you know, what you really need to focus on in terms of the areas uh, that are most pressing uh, to get right again. I think he's admitted that some of it has been between the ears and that's obviously um, a difficult, like there's no simple fix for something like that. Like that's something that he is going to have to um, figure out in his own way. And then I think before uh, you talk about any physical stuff and, and, and actually attacking uh, on the mound, you know, you have to be in a good headspace. And until he is, uh, it, everything else is is going to be secondary. So, like, maybe they need to work on his his delivery, his whole mechanical process. I think nothing is uh, off limits when you're talking about, um, you know, how badly he was missing consistently, uh, the lack of command that he had. Um, you know, like, it's a major, major project uh, that they they have on their hands. And they're in a bad spot because they don't really have any depth in the organization to replace him. Um, they didn't really have depth if anyone got hurt or something like this happened. So, you know, barring something unforeseen that he can be back in the not too distant future, all of a sudden they really have to look at adding a legitimate starting pitcher uh, for the stretch run, because what they have right now is tenuous at best. And uh, they could be in a really difficult position if one of their uh, other guys ends up going down with some sort of injury. It seems to me they kind of showed their hand by sending him to where they sent him. Like if you wanted him to just go get some mechanical things and get some more starts under his belt, you send him to AAA. But I think yeah. going to Florida was obviously a get away from the cameras, get away from the media. And he's from that area too, right? So go home and maybe just step off a mound for a little bit, take some time, get your head right, and then come back ready to attack. I think it was so telling that they've said, you know, go away from everything. It just shows that they think too. There was a guy who looked so defeated every time he stepped off the mound. Yeah, but he, he lost that that innate special thing that I think made him so good um, right away is that he was just so supremely confident that, you know, like even at his best, his stuff was never really overpowering or dominant or anything like that. He had flashes, like when his slider was really good, he could dominate hitters, but he wasn't, 
blowing anyone away. He had to really command both sides of the plate, uh, really dot the corners with his fastball to set up his slider. And his fastball just was was not good in any way, shape, or form. And his slider really wasn't consistent either. And he just he didn't have anything. So, like in the opportunities he had with two strikes, he just didn't really have anything available to him that he could go to and be like, okay, I, I have this uh, in the bank that I can trust in these situations. And you could tell, like when he got to two strikes, he just you know, that's supposed to be an advantageous position for a pitcher. And it wasn't for him. He was giving up a ton of hits, a ton of hard contact with two strikes. And, you know, like, I think some of that, again, ties back to the psychological, um, you know, strain that was probably being felt as well. And yeah, he has to get that back because he needs that. He needs that, that competitive kind of instinct and, and that special trait uh, that was one of the reasons you know Blue Jays fans gravitated to uh, towards him so much. You know, he had a real chip on his shoulder, and he needs to get that back because uh, I just don't think he can be the pitcher uh, he was without it. Well, exactly. And I think one thing we haven't talked about a whole lot regarding uh, Alec Madoa getting sent down to the Complex League, Toronto Blue Jays put a lot of money over the last offseason into the facilities in Dunedin. Uh, they call it the pitching lab. Right. There is a lot of facilities down there that I think the Blue Jays at least believe may be able to help Alec Manoa. Of course, being close to home, that's one of the things. Being in a, a low class, that's one of the other reasons. But I think also having, uh, you know, some of the facilities, some of the people down there, um, I believe Hunjin Ryu is down there right now as well. Yes, right. So, so one of the guys that's been a mentor to him in his first couple of seasons in the big leagues is there as well. It's like you you touched on so many times. Josh, this is a complete reset. It's not a go-get inning somewhere else. It's a take some time, however long that may be. It might be months. It might be the end of the season. Take some time, reset, and see if you can figure whatever this is out. Yeah, I just don't think that, like you guys are saying, there, you just don't make this drastic of a move as a Band-Aid. Like this is, uh, you're staying down there, um, at the very least, uh, until there's signs of progress. And then it's not, I don't think it's a type of situation where, you know, he unlocks whatever he needs to unlock and gets back into the, the, the kind of frame of mind that he needs to be in. And then they bring him back up. Like it's going to be, you know, he's probably going to be starting some games in, in a ball. And then it's going to be a progression to, um, you know, needing a couple of turns, probably, uh, at triple a like this isn't just going to be okay we feel good let's throw you back into the deep end uh, of major league hitters it's going to be a, a progression uh beyond you know what we could have ever imagined like very slow very deliberate and like i i've been thinking this like i i just i would be surprised honestly if we see him uh back this year i won't count him out because i think you'd be a fool too but he is going to have to really make some monstrous strides uh, in in short order uh, for it to be a possibility. Because like I, I don't think he's even going to be in a position uh, to really start even making that incremental prog- progress for probably at least a couple of weeks, three three to four weeks, and then you're talking about you know we're already into July, and then the runway starts to get shorter, and then the Blue Jays are forced in a situation where it's like, well, we we just can't operate with the thought that he's going to be here uh we need to you know address what we need to address and if there's a situation where he forces our hand then maybe we make a decision later in the season and that's a good problem to have and on top of that you got to take into account too that you know the aforementioned Hanjin Ryu working back hopefully towards some kind of position in this Blue Jays team towards the end of the year. So if he comes back pitching okay, do you even rush Manoa? Do you just kind of let him take that year and say, you know what, next year's a new year, let's get to that point. But we're, as we get to the end here of our conversation, I want to end it on a happy note. Obviously, I think Kevin Gosman is uh, is phenomenal. He looks like what could be a Cy Young contender so far this in this year, but also Bo Bichette looks like an MVP hitter. And I wonder if you see anything different in him this year, if it's just Bo being Bo, and is this something he can, su- can sustain for years to come? Yeah, I think so. I- I've never really wavered in um, my level of confidence and belief in, in Bo Bichette's ability. Uh, he's always been a great hitter. You know, there was a-, a stretch early last season where it was not great. Like, he was swinging at everything, and he just kind of lost – 
some of his swagger, I think, a little bit. And, you know, that that can happen to a young player. But a, a credit to him, you know, he really rebounded, especially in September. And he just carried that over. And, you know, like a lot of people will say, oh, he's got to improve his play discipline. He's uh, too much of a free swinger. He doesn't walk enough. enough. Like he's cut down on his strikeouts this year. He's not striking out nearly as much. He never was a really a, a, a such a high strikeout uh, hitter, but he's cut down. He's not walking more. He's just he makes a ton of contact. He's always going to be a bat on ball type of hitter. And um, like he has led the American League in, in hits in each of the last two seasons for a reason. He's a strong contender to do it again. He's a strong contender to win his first uh, batting title. Like the sky's the limit. Um, like it, it wouldn't surprise me if he works his way into like the top five, if not higher, if the Blue Jays can you know, really make a run and he's a catalyst for it in, in terms of the MVP vote. Like right all of a sudden, or maybe not all of a sudden, like he is the guy that you're looking to as 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 really the engine of the entire team more than Vladimir Guerrero Jr., which was not something anyone really expected. Um, you know, after 2021, but a credit to Bo, uh, he's just been the more consistent contributor uh, offensively. One final question before we uh, let you go, Josh. Uh, thank you again for joining us. The Toronto Blue Jays right now, two, two and a half months into this regular season. Is Bo Bichette the, the guy you would call the all-star of the Jays so far, uh, their top player? Or do you go to someone on the pitching staff? I mean, we talked about uh, Kevin Gosman, who's been fantastic. Chris Bassett's turned it around in the last month or so. Who's been the guy that you would put the star on through the first two and a half months here for the Blue Jays? I think it's probably Bo because he's just been so consistent. You know, Gosman is right there. Like, he's had a couple of rough outings, but otherwise has just been – you know, so good. He leads the league in, in double-digit strikeout games. He's got six. You know, he is, considering he's just a two-pitch pitcher with a fastball and a splitter, he consistently uh, dominates. Like, he dominated a good Astros lineup. They had no chance. After that leadoff home run, he was toying with them. And it's it's been impressive. His, his velocity's been up. And when he has more in the tank in terms of his fastball and his splitter, just makes him so much harder to hit. So he is right there too, but I'm always going to favor a position player, just, you know, their ability to make a consistent impact and be in the lineup. Like Bo's a set and forget it guy in the lineup. Like he's in there. If he's healthy, close to 162 and is giving you uh, productivity every day. So uh, he's my guy right now. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, uh, you know, he, ends up as uh, like putting up an all-time Blue Jays year when it's all said and done in terms of what he can do statistically. Josh Goldberg from The Score and the Designated for Assignment podcast joining us here on the Smitty Mini Show. Josh, always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for joining us. We'll have to talk again soon. Enjoyed it, boys. Thank you. The curling season is just about over, but it's a great time to get ready for next year with the Gold Line end of season sale. Jackets, vests, shoes, and brooms. Check out all the deals at goldlinecurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions. Even though I'd just gotten a new job that paid well, I still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected. My Sun Life advisor encouraged me to do three things. Get health coverage, start paying back debt, and build a safety net. When I got my cancer diagnosis, my advisor had already helped me become debt-free with enough set aside for emergencies. When I took time off, I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today, I'm in remission. Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in King Carden and Port Elgin. You're listening to The Smitty and Mitty Show. Welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show here on the TSMS Radio Network and the Smitty and Mitty Show podcast. Uh, thank you to Josh Goldberg for joining us on the uh, the prior half of the show, talking about the Toronto Blue Jays and their season. And uh, it, there's nothing to really continue on with it, with that conversation, is there, Mister Middleton? Like, I'm pretty sure, at least between the two of us, that we've talked about almost everything with the Blue Jays that we can talk about over the last week. Oh, are you kidding me? We could talk Blue Jays. We could legitimately have just a Blue Jay show. Like a two-hour Blue Jays show every week? Easy? Yeah, I think we could easily do that. But how could we keep talking Blue Jays when one of the biggest sports stories broke this week? The biggest story of the year? Is that – that's not an understatement. 
right? Like of this, the year, like this, this could reasonably be the one of the biggest stories of our lifetime. It's certainly going to be it, it, like I kid you not. This will be the biggest golf story of our lifetime. Like that. Well, the bar, the bar that... is low to be to be the biggest golf story, but I like. I, I think this is the biggest story. Period. One of the biggest stories. Period. We have for the first time a Saudi-backed sports league has merged with an American sports league with one of the major sports. Not not obviously one of the major sports, but with the major sports in this continent. And I, I think this might be the first in what could be the door just opening. Like it was obviously like we, we have to give some background for anyone who didn't know, but if you didn't know, then you're probably living under a rock. Live Golf, the Saudi backed golf league, has joined forces with the PGA after a year or so and has merged leagues with the DP League to to cause or to, to form what is this super league. Yeah, so the news dropped earlier this week. Um, and when we say dropped, we really mean the news dropped. Uh, there was members of the PGA that did not find out until everyone else did on social media. Or Isn't that crazy? There, there are so many layers to this story. Uh, so many supposed, layers. A supposed email blast went out as well. But like, let's be honest, you're probably going to see on Twitter before you see on your email about something like this uh and pga players finding out at the exact same time about us no warning no nothing uh that their their pga pga tour is going to be joining merging combining with live who has been uh like hated enemies for the last year for the last 12 what, what has it been 13 months now hated enemies bitter enemies and rivals and now they're just they're just joining forces. They're going to be joining commercial entities. Is I think the proper wording for what is going on. It's crazy. Yeah, I've I've gone through such a a roller coaster, an evolution of emotions through this because it's even hard to talk about now as we record because like we're recording obviously as we always do earlier in the week than when the show goes out, and there could be so much too much more information that comes forth because the deal's not even done. Like this all came from the PGA commissioner and what we could call the live commissioner, if you want to, going on CNBC and literally just breaking the story and having a conversation about how the two leagues have come to agreement. But but they haven't actually came to an agreement yet. Not, nothing's signed. Nothing's done. It's just that they have like a spit on the handshake deal done. So there's going to be so much more information that comes out in this within this week that it's even tough to talk about. But just right away, Jay Monahan, the, the commissioner of the PGA, looks like a complete donkey's ass, right? Like, am I am I wrong here? Like he 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 is the guy who came out originally and said none of the PGA players can go to live. Because, and he didn't have to go here, but he made it this because of 9-11 families and, and how the Saudi Arabians have, have hurt the country. And he made it about morals. He was the one that did that. And then immediately, once he gets some kind of money handed to him, he just jumps ship and, and, and doesn't just leave himself. It's not like he left to be part of the live tour. He signed the whole Kit and caboodle over to, to to join the Saudis to open that door to the Saudis backed investors to now be part of North American sports. He did that. He did that after years, after after a year and a bit of telling his players not to, of, of Rory McElroy standing there and just taking it on the chin week after week and being the voice of this. And he doesn't even have to have have the conus to tell him, to tell anybody in this league, in, in that league that. That you know what? Now all those guys that you hate, that you've been the Bryson DeChambeau's and DJ Johnson's and 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 Phil, uh, and, you know, just everyone who you've been butting heads with for a year, who friends that you've lost over this amount of money, guys like Colin Morikawa who turned down eight hundred million dollars, eight hundred million dollars out of loyalty and respect to the PGA, just get stabbed in the back immediately by one person. One person. He, there is no way 
I don't see any way that even by the time this show goes out, that he is still commissioner of the PGA. There is no way that he keeps his job. And that makes it even worse because he sat there and he took the money and said, like, you know, I'm going to take this. I'm going to sign this deal. and I'm going to move on knowing that I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm, I'm going to take my cash and run. Like, that's even worse. He looks so, so bad in this whole, th- whole thing. Well, and what it does is is golf over the last couple of years has been almost in shambles, professional golf, because of this whole live golf versus PGA golf thing. Uh, and now the merger, the money, where it's coming from, uh, guys turning down, like you're talking about like a guy like Tiger Woods, who from reports turning down 800 million, maybe even close to $900 million, like you said, out of loyalty. And now all of a sudden you're saying, oh yeah, you're right back where we are, right? These guys that I told you are never going to be back into PGA won't be welcome back. Now we're just going to join up and everyone's back to where they were before, except all those guys you hate have hundreds of millions of dollars more in their pocket than you do. Is this going to hurt golf in the long run? Are we seeing, uh, and I don't want to call it like golf's not going anywhere, but are we seeing the fall of professional golf? Like, is there going to need to be a complete retool of professional golf? What is going to happen with this? It is still way too early to tell. What is going to happen with this PGA Live Tour merger? It's well, here's a problem. Right, it, like it is we, a mess. Here's the problem: is we don't even know what it what it looks like at this point. Like from what Rory's and the poor the poor Canadian Open. This this happened last year where the Live Tour played its first event on the same weekend. I think weekend of of the Canadian yeah. Open. So they've just been they've been slapped around by the Live Tour just constantly. The poor Canadian Open. But Rory is is obviously put in front of a camera, and poor Rory, because he has done a phenomenal job at, at kind of, you know, mentioning that he did know that something was going to happen, and that he thinks that there's possibly, some, like, I was able to breathe a little bit hearing from Rory, because he says that there's possibly some money coming back towards the PGA players that didn't take those live money. I don't know how that could happen. I don't know where that comes from. But that was a conversation. And he almost guaranteed that the live format is gone that you know the the partying the the 54 holes or whatever like that is all gone it's going to be traditional golf but with the live players and there's going to be some team aspects mixed in there basically is what's going to happen it, it it feels like the PGA is absorbing live again with bigger purses and now the Saudi backed group who is basically given the reins of this league by reports there's four chairs. The Saudis have been given the biggest chair. They are now in charge of what is is going to be a for-profit. Before the PGA was a, a not-for-profit. Now they are a for-profit organization, and the Saudis have the ability to run that the way they want to. Now, the other three chairs are going to come from other people. I mean, poor Greg Norman as well, who's been <laughs> just absolutely tossed aside by the Saudis. And like we don't need you anymore, go away. He's just now been been kicked ways down by both the PGA and the Live Tour. But I feel a little bit better hearing some things that are coming out. But I still have this conversation of why, like why, why, what, what happened for the PGA to change their mind, not even the PGA for for Jay Monahan to change his mind and go from frankly these are terrorists to okay, these are terrorists who are paying me and they can have the league now. Like, do you think, so do you think this is a case of, um, like, let's look back in the history of some of the pro sports. Like, NFL um, has competitor leagues in the XFL, the USFL, uh, anything like that. Uh, The NHL with the World Hockey Association, obviously a little bit different than what was going on here with PGA versus Live. But is this a case of where maybe PGA actually felt and I use this word kind of loosely here, threatened, right? They felt like Liv had a legitimate chance to change what they were doing in the PGA, change golf as we know it. And they said, you know what? We'll take you on. We'll essentially make you, I, I once again, partners, but not really partners because this is going to be like a Saudi-backed thing. Um, they essentially just absorbed Liv back into them and said, fine, 
we'll do some of the stuff that you wanted to do in the first place. We'll have bigger purses. We'll do a little bit more of the fun things, the teams. Um, I, I don't imagine we'll see the shorts kick around too much longer, but stuff like that. They said, you know what? We'll change golf a little bit over here in America and the PGA will change that a little bit. Um, but if we're doing it, we also want to benefit from it in terms of cash in hand. And I think that's what you're saying. The whole thing is still in my head is messed up. And I don't think I like any of it. So here is the kind of my argument to all that is by a lot of reports. And obviously there's been a lot of golf conversations happening over the past couple of days because of this incredible news. But a lot of reports and a lot of reporters are saying Liv was not doing well. Like, I'm not saying that they were losing a bunch of money or that they were about to crash, but they were having an extremely hard time and an impossible time finding any kind of TV carrier to broadcast them. They were having a hard time getting tickets sold and fans to uh, at least North American events. It, it was easier in Australia where they had their last event. It was huge. And Europe a little bit more um, uh, people, but especially in North America, they were having a really hard time. And they just weren't being able to get any kind of this product out to anybody. And I think the Saudis were losing money at a rapid pace to where they said, this needs to stop. We are an investment company. We are do need our money back somehow. So I kind of get why they would say, like, I think Live is almost going to disappear in a way. Like the idea of the Live League is going to be gone. I think it's just going to be whatever the new PGA is called. It's just going to have some new twists and turns and new purses. And like you said, maybe some some team events, which I don't know how that'll go over, but we'll see. Some some things that aren't bad for golf. Those things might be okay for golf. My, uh, where Where I'm baffled is the PGA had just won a court case against Liv in, I, I believe, Britain. They were on, they like, they were winning. They didn't have the money, and they might have lost more players, but they were winning. And I wonder if, if maybe because of these lawsuits and during discovery, you were going to learn some things that PGA didn't want you to learn about PGA. And because of that, it was better for them to basically allow the Saudis to take over financially and make some small incremental changes to the PGA, but not forever tarnish what their reputation is. So the early indications from, uh, and take from this what you want, all the reports that are out there, none of them seem to be 100% factual because truth be told, I don't think anybody really knows. Even the people that are running live in PGA right now don't know what exactly is going to come with this. Um, but early on, the reports seem almost promising, right? If you put, put all the mess behind you and everything uh, that is maybe and is morally wrong uh, with the live golf. If you put that behind you, it seems like this merger might not be the worst thing in the world and how long this is going to take to smooth itself out. Who knows, right? Like it could be five years before things are back to feeling okay in the professional golf world. I don't know. I, I don't feel like there's no way to know for sure if this is going to be, um, what by some accounts are seeming like a win-win situation for live and PGA. That I think that's the, 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 the thing that really confuses me that really truly confuses me is that deep down, I do think that this could be a good thing for golf deep down. I think bigger purses are going to be a good thing. Some more fun is going to be a good thing. Let the guys wear shorts. It's 40 degrees in Georgia. Like who cares? Let them wear shorts. Nobody's sitting here worried about that. Like these things could be a positive for golf and bring it into what is a a more modern looking sport. But I, it still doesn't sit right because of one the hypocrisy from Jay Monahan and, and specifically and PGA as a whole. The poor PGA players that stuck around that are kind of getting walked all over. And it still does not sit completely right with me that that kind of money is now involved in North American sports. 
all those things don't sit right. But at the same time, I do think it could be a good thing for golf. It's it's a very confusing feeling I'm having right now. Well, and I think you're not alone on that, right? Myself, uh, anybody that you've talked to, first of all, um, for the non-sports fans out there, like, and I've got a, I've got a bunch of them in my life. It is this is impossible to explain? Or at least they're yeah, right now, right? Like we're sitting here on this sports talk show trying to explain what is going on. If you don't understand a little bit, then none of it's going to make sense. Because truth be told, like truth be told, none of it does make sense right now. Who knows what's going to happen? I can't tell you what's going on. And let's go back yep. to, to let's go back to current golf right now. One of the biggest events, the biggest event on the Canadian schedule, supposed to be going on as we, as this show goes out. Once again, kind of just gets shoved aside for another year. I and I'm, I'm trying to get a golf guy on to or golf somebody to to come on in the next couple of weeks so we can talk about all this. But I'll ask you one more question, and then and before we let this go, before we drop this for for this week, I'm sure we'll have a whole lot more to say next week. Do you see any of these top players? Because this was one of my initial thoughts. Any of these top players, like Rory or Tiger, just saying, "Okay, I'm done. I don't want to be part of this." Because, like, I understand guys like like former guests of the show, Corey Connors, who aren't rolling. They're not rolling in money. Yes, they've made a good living. They probably could retire now and live a life like you and me. But they're not, you know, billionaires. Tiger Woods is a billionaire. Why wouldn't he just say, I'm done? Well, like, I'm close to retirement anyways. Let's just walk away. Well, And, and then what does that do to like the that. game? Right. You'll see guys like that who might, right? Like, is this the end of Tiger Woods' career? Very well could be, right? That that career was kind of coming to an end anyways. The injuries, the the struggles, just never feeling right again. Um, and maybe this is the time where he, he hangs him up and he just says, you know what, I'm going to let this figure itself out. I'm done with professional golf. A guy like Rory, I don't know, right. Still a little bit younger. He's got some years left in the game where he can still be, uh, a, 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 a true competitor. And I don't know if he'll be the one to hang it up, but at the same time, man, who knows, right? Like you said, there are plenty of golfers who have made their life's worth of money already. And plenty of them that could stop right now and feel good about what they've done. Whether or not we see it, I don't know. And what about another option? What if Tiger Woods says, we don't have to do this. Let's go make our own league. Tiger Woods can get sponsors. Rory can get sponsors. What if these top guys, Colin Morikawa, let's just say, let's say there's a board of three of Colin Morikawa, uh, uh, Tiger Woods, and Rory McIlroy that break off and say, we're just going to have our own league that only plays in North America. Because another thing you might consider is probably you're going to end up having some PGA events over overseas now. More than likely, it's going to become an international thing. Maybe you guys don't want to go there. Why couldn't some of these guys say, okay, let's just make our own league where we control it. We say what we want to do. We make our own money. Like whatever money comes in, that gets split against the uh, across our bills and our winners. And we just branch off and we don't want to be part of this anymore. What would stop them from doing that? I'm sure nothing, right? Other than the challenge, other than the the challenge of starting that up. But who knows? Right? It is gonna be it's gonna be a very cloudy time for professional golf over the next uh weeks, months, years even, uh, to see what all shakes down with Live and PGA. And the recent merger, the biggest news in sports this past week, uh, and possibly in a long time to come. We've got to hit a break, and we'll finish off the Smitty and Mitty show for this week. On the other side, you're listening to the Smitty and Mitty show here on the TSMS Radio Network. Even though I'd just gotten a new job that paid well, I still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected. My Sun Life advisor encouraged me to do three things. Get health coverage, start paying back debt, and build a safety net. When I got my cancer diagnosis... My advisor had already helped me become debt-free with enough set aside for emergencies. When I took time off, I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today, I'm in remission. Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in King Carden and Port Elgin. The curling season is just about over, but it's a great time to get ready for next year with the Gold Line End of Season Sale. Jackets, vests, shoes, and brooms. Check out all the deals at goldlinecurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions. Now back to the Smitty and Mitty Show. 
Welcome back to the Smitty Mini Show here on the TSMS Radio Network as we finish things off for another week here on the show. And, well, that's, that, that does it, right? There's not much mm-hmm. else to say here, right? right. Well, thank the sponsors, I guess. Should probably do that. Okay, let's, let's thank the sponsors. Dave Middleton, Sunlight Financial Life is brighter on the side. Gold line curling, the choice of champions. Maybe a new sponsor here soon. I'm working on something. I'm just trying to finalize and make sure that I'm legally allowed to do it. Okay. Okay. So at least, at least, legally allowed to say it on the radio. Well, that's but, a, uh, that's a cliffhanger for us. Yeah. Thanks. So possibly, uh, possibly a new sponsor coming, but that's it's literally just my pockets. So. Okay. Good. Good to know. So I don't come out on top of this at all. I just produce. It I might buy you something nice. Okay. If the Smitty no. and Mitty Show fans support me and allow me to make my commission off of this, then I will for sure buy you something pretty. All right. What are you, are you selling? Like Tupperware or something? No, I'm, I'm, I'm possibly right. That well, might be more beneficial a, to you. I know a lot of people that need new. I, I am becoming uh, an ambassador for a uh, a bet a bet like site. It's not you don't directly bet on it, but it's for people who have multiple um, books that they bet on, so that you can find the best value and you can kind of centralize it. And it's a really cool app, and I'll explain it maybe a little bit further in in a video or. Uh, or the ad whenever I can find out if I'm legally allowed to uh, to promote a bad right. site on well, the radio. Uh, I don't know. Well, to protect ourselves legally, we're just going to stop talking about it um, and wrap up the show. So yeah. big thank you to Josh Goldberg for joining us. Thank you to our sponsors. And, of course, check us out on social media wherever you get the chance, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the Smitty and Mitty Show. That does it for us this week. We'll be back. More sports content, more on baseball, and I'm sure much, much more on Live Golf and the PGA Tour coming up on next week's show. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you later from Smitty and me.